I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted 2.0, brand new feed. Many of you people are still finding this show. Yes, I had Fitness Disrupted, and now Fitness Disrupted 2.0, taking over control. And actually, today's topic kind of ties into that as well. And I say frequently that I have the greatest job in the world, and I totally believe that. I do. I'm selling the greatest product there is, and I get to research how to better our lives. Not just yours, but mine. Let's, if I want to be selfish about it, everything I bring to you, I put into practice myself. And that also goes to today's topic, which I love. And if you did listen to the prior show, I mean, I wonder, you know, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I say that I, I couldn't possibly do my job to the degree that I, I want to if I only focused on exercise, if I only focused on nutrition, or if I only focused on behavior. And that's why my studies are in all three and will continue to be in all three for the rest of my life. My life. I never stop learning. Never stop learning. And the topic today is just so awesome. It's so important in exercise. And it's yet another one that I don't know that I've read much about as far as the way I'm going to present it to you. And it's about cognitive dissonance. You know, it's another fancy term. But the psychology behind motivation and exercise is everything. It's everything, right? Because... The vast majority of us know that we need to move, move more, eat better food, eat less unhealthy food. We know that. How do we do that? How do we do that? In today's world especially, where food is plentiful and, and movement is minimal. Well, cognitive dissonance is a huge part of that. Okay, yes, I have the greatest job in the world, but guess what? And I'm not, I, I, as I wrote these notes, I was like, you know, is this going to sound like complaining? <laughs> it's the greatest job, but it's also really challenging. And I love challenges, which is why I love my job. But delivering the message to you is super challenging. Why is that? Well, because I'm asking you to change behavior. I'm telling you to do things that you're not doing oftentimes. That's not easy. It's actually, if I'm trying to improve on something every day, it's getting that message across to people. And then it's not only challenging in that regard, but it's like a coach, right? A bad coach just tries to motivate every single player the same way. They either yell or, you know, they, every player is approached in the same way. That's a bad coach because people are motivated differently. And the same way they're motivated differently in sports, they're completely motivated differently when it comes to exercise and nutrition and behavior change. So it's not only difficult in that I'm asking every single person to change something to some degree, right? And oftentimes telling you either you're not doing it or maybe you're not doing it the right way. Put yourself in my shoes. <laughs> like, put yourself in my shoes. And guess what? It's so easy 
to be that other guy in fitness and exercise and nutrition. To tell you what you want to hear. To tell you things that are going to make you feel better about not doing something. Not making change. But it also goes to the topic of cognitive dissonance that I will explain in a second. Give the definition of. But I would have cognitive, incredible cognitive dissonance if I did that. I'm incapable of bringing you bad information. I'm incapable of taking money from people who want to advertise on the show or come on this show. Guests pitched every day who are not going to help you, who are actually, actually going to prevent you from getting your goals, getting to your goals, changing those behaviors. They're going to take your money and take your time. I could take their money, but I would be completely in a dissonance uh, state, a dissonant state. All right, let me give you the definition because you're I still don't understand. Okay, cognitive dissonance, right? I'm going to give you dissonance first. So dissonance is a tension or clash resulting from the combination of two disharmonious or unsuitable elements. So basically, well, let me give you cognitive because that'll explain it too. So cognitive dissonance, it's the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. Two more quick definitions. In the field of psychology, cognitive dissonance is the perception of contradictory information and the mental toll of it. We know we need to exercise and we don't do it. Cognitive dissonance. Relevant items of information include a person's actions, feelings, ideas, beliefs, values, and things in the environment. Cognitive dissonance theory is one of the classic theories of attitudes. The theory was originally proposed in 1957. Although limiting conditions to the theory have been identified, the basic tenets of the theory are still accepted. The theory posits that when people engage in behavior that is inconsistent with their beliefs, they'll experience dissonance arousal. Dissonance arousal is an aversive state that operates like a drive in that people are motivated to decrease the arousal and decrease the arousal and decreasing the arousal is intrinsically gratifying. What does that mean? Again, you hear all the time that you need to move more, that you need to eat better. And oftentimes we don't. And then we have dissonance that doesn't feel, doesn't make us feel good. It doesn't make us feel good. Let's just call it what it is. Let's just call it what it is. And let me just say, in today's world of cancel culture, I have to be really careful about what I say, which I'm fine with in that I'm bringing you the science. I'm bringing you the science. You can argue the science if you want, but I could tell you what you want to hear which is what so many people are doing when it comes to exercise and nutrition today. And it is the absolute worst thing they could possibly do when they are going against the science to make them money, to make them look better, to make you feel better at the expense of what? To use the term in the correct way, literally shortening your life, literally decreasing the quality of your life. 
but that's the world we live in. And when it comes to those, I would argue, bad changes, because it is about being uncomfortable people, not super uncomfortable, but it's this new world of we can never be uncomfortable. Well, when it comes to exercise, and I'm going to give you the physio or the psychological side, rather. So physiologically, we need to be a little uncomfortable in a good way, though. When you find the exercise you love to do, that discomfort is pleasurable. It's not what you hear. That's not what you're told. You're told to do exercise routines that you don't enjoy or eat foods that you don't enjoy. And that's not how it works. But it's easy to tell you what you want to hear. And that's what so many people are doing. And it's really, really bad. Many years ago, one of the first opportunities I had, no, the first opportunity to be on a big TV show, New York City, starting my career, starting to get known. And they asked me to come on and talk about a bogus book and exercise plan. And I said, I can't talk about that, but I tried to twist it a little bit, not twist it, but said, here's what I can talk about. And without supporting the bogus claim that this book and uh, program was, was putting forth. And they said, no, we need you to come on and talk about this and back it up. And I said, I can't come on. And that's an example of cognitive dissonance. Had I gone on there and talked about what they wanted me to talk about, I, I would have felt really, really bad. Cognitive dissonance. And it would have been psychologically and physiologically. It would have made me sick. And I'm not going to do that. I'm never going to do that. So yet another example of cognitive dissonance. Okay? And there's, you know, there's so many examples of people telling you what you want to hear to avoid putting you in that cognitive uh, dissonance state. Right? You're exercising too hard, right? Should be in that fat burning zone. Uh, you know, don't waste your time with cardio. Cardio is a waste of time. Oh, good, because I, I don't like it. Well, you don't like it because you haven't figured out what mode yet because moving feels better than not moving. Oh, it's your genetics. It's all about your genetics. You can't escape it, so don't, don't, don't try. It's one of the worst messages that can be put forth, and it's not true. It's not backed by science at all. And then... The worst of the worst, I'm just going to throw it out there, that it's totally fine to carry around excess weight, that there's no health implications. Absolutely, unequivocally not true. And one of the worst messages to make people feel better that, that's out there. And it's hard for me to say that because I know that two-thirds of the people that listen or uh, are out there are struggling with that. But that's my job. You don't have to like me. There's the difference. I want the best for you and I'm going to bring you the best information. And it's, it's like the beginning. Who loves that movie Miracle? <laughs> right? <laughs> Me. I cry every time I watch it. But not the perfect analogy. But when they're discussing when the, the uh, players are angry at the coach and the assistant coach uh, and the coach are having the discussion, Herb Brooks, and Herbrook says, well, if they're, if they're angry with me, maybe they won't be basically fighting with one another. Not the perfect analogy, but Herbrooks wanted the best for that team. He was willing to have them not like him so that he could get the best out of them. Again, not the perfect analogy. I wouldn't necessarily have coached the way he did, but you get my point. 
I would love for you to like me, <laughs> but I'm not here to be liked. I want you to get the best results in the shortest amount of time with the least likelihood of injury. And so, yes, the overload principle that I talk about over and over and over again, and primarily, physiologically, right, we overload our muscles and they change, right? We overload our cardiovascular system and it gets stronger and more efficient. The same thing holds true psychologically. We need to overload a little bit. Not a lot, not too much, but just enough that change occurs. Okay? It's really, really important. And so the psychology behind all this is everything. So many of you who are listening are, are trying to figure out how to make those changes. And let me say, you have to give it time and you can't beat yourself up for not getting there right away. That's where I'm going to make you feel better. Because it's true. Because you have to weed through all the bad information. You have to listen to all these really, really bad so-called experts tell you what to do and it's completely wrong. So they're leading you down the wrong path. You keep trying all these different things. You're totally confused. And it would take time anyway, even if you didn't get those bad messages, right? Because you got to try all these different types of exercise. You have to try all these different foods. I am still in that process. The process never ends, but it gets easier, right? So in other words, I will find foods that I like. I'll eat them for a long time and then I'll get bored with them and I'll start something else. Same thing with exercise, which is why we need that variation. But you need to give it time. And when you get these messages that you're going to do it in four weeks, right? You're going to drop all this weight. Are you going to take these supplements and things like that? Oh, how disingenuous that is, right? It would be so easy to sell you that stuff, to sell you these <laughs> programs, that make the simple complex and the complex simple. Exercise for your blood type, exercise for your DNA type. Guess what? None of that is there here yet. And you know, for those people who, <laughs> you know, talk about exercising uh, like we did, uh, you know, eating like we did, paleo, things like that, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in looking at uh, evolution, huge. But were they exercising for their blood type? Were they eating for their blood type? Were they eating for or exercising based on, you know, these factors that they had no concept up? No, they were moving more and they were eating whole foods, healthy whole foods in moderation. And that's what it all comes down to. Moderation, which is really hard to sell and publishers and don't want to hear that term because you want the quick fix. And I'm going to keep bringing you the science to let you know that there is no quick fix. And there's always a cost. If there's a pharmaceutical quick fix, listen, bodybuilding, things like that, seen it all over social media. And I have two teenage boys now, scares the heck out of me. Because social media has taken everything I'm talking about and made it exponentially worse. Exponentially worse. Right? All right, I'm just going to give you two studies that kind of touch on this just to bring this home even more. But I want to break down cognitive dissonance, right? Because it's not just enough to de define it. How do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? And this is where I just love the sports psychology and the behavioral psychology, right? 
Well, it's basically directly and indirectly. And I'm going to tailor this, obviously, for exercise, not make it super scientific, but applicable, right? When we deal directly with the cognitive dissonance we have, right? So you're like, I know I need to exercise more. My doctor told me I got hurt. You know, my spouse is pushing me to do it. I don't feel good. Then what do you do? Well, if you're directly approaching it, you make a plan, right? You go, okay, I'm going to change. <laughs> and that's hard. That's challenging. But it's not, as I will say over and over again, when you start slowly, when you give a time, all that will be in my takeaway. But directly is also like, you go, I'm going to hire a trainer. I'm going to buy some exercise equipment. I'm going to join a gym. I would argue I'm going to listen to this show three times a week, every week. Or all of the above. <laughs> all of the above. Hire a trainer to learn what to do. Listen, you don't have to work with a trainer three times a week, every week, unless you want to. But that's not where you get healthy, people. <laughs> I come from the world of personal training. I spent the vast majority of my life doing it. And then a new book coming out, I'm going to say, yeah, it's great. You don't lose weight by going to a trainer three times a week. You go, you, you go to a trainer to learn how to make the behavioral change. As crazy as that sounds. Yes, and to get strong. But they're strength and conditioning people. You came to me as a trainer. In the session itself, I'm going to start to build strength fix some weaknesses and imbalances. But when it comes to weight loss, it's what happens outside the gym, not what happens in the gym. If I kick your butt three times a week for an hour, and that's like straight cardio. And, you know, I used to do that with some clients. Story for another day. But if we just did cardio, I go, why am I going to a trainer to just do cardio? Well, if you're maximizing your calorie burn during the session itself. That's what you would do. And unfortunately, it's... Uh, highly overreported the number of calories you burn but you're gonna burn like 600 700 calories if you're lucky in a hard hour of cardio so 600 times 3 1800 you're still almost 2000 calories short of a pound three times a week with a trainer so it's behavioral change so again if you're going to deal directly with cognitive dissonance it's making a plan and then it's implementing that plan Hiring a trainer, joining a gym, buying some exercise equipment, listening to this show. I will say we are in the best time ever to make those changes. And this goes to the cognitive dissonance. As I say that out loud, it doesn't make you feel, you go, wow, Tom, that makes me feel better, right? You're saying it's, it's never been easier than before to make the change. So that's going to make me feel worse about not making the change. Well, it's a double-edged sword. What did I say at the start of this show? There's so much misinformation. It, technology has taken movement out of just about everything. And food is like ridiculously plentiful. And, you know, if you truly look at when obesity really started to hit, it's processed foods and things like that. Don't want to get into that during this show. But my point is food is plentiful. There's so much bad stuff out there. And so, yeah, on that end, it's challenging. But on the end of content in your home, free workouts, this podcast being free, it's the best time in the world to get the right information and to get equipment in your home so you don't even have to leave if you don't want to. Gyms are cheaper than they ever were. When I was in the, in the fitness world, you know, training 
out of New York City and places like that, there was no $10 gym. Like, they were all around $60, $70, And so now you have $10 or $200, essentially. Those gyms are gone. Those mid-range ones are really hard uh, to... Uh, they, they don't work, <laughs> by and large. All right? All right. I didn't think I'd get worked up. Getting a little worked up. Uh, so we talked about directly. That's where you go. I got, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to make a change. That's about believing you have control. That's about what I am trying to get across to you. And what drives me nuts are the articles and experts who tell you you don't have control. Because then there's no reason, people. It's your genetics. Can't do it. Why bother? All right? So control and believing you have control is everything. And that's locus of control. Topic for another day, but it, it ties directly into what I'm talking about here. Locus of control is the degree to which you believe that you have control over the outcome of the events in your lives as opposed to external forces, your genetics, your circumstances. Yes, all of those things can be challenging, but there's science behind it. Again, genetics, 20 to 30%. And then we've got epigenetics and the ability to turn on and off certain things in our genetic makeup. And it comes down to self-efficacy, which is like one of my top three favorite sports psychology, psychology concepts. It's about confidence, situational confidence, small victories over time. There are no small victories. But it's building that confidence. And when you go on diet plans and when you do programs that are destined for failure, that erodes your self-confidence. That erodes your self-efficacy. It lines the pockets of those people and it erodes your ability to believe you have control. All right. What's really important, speed up here. Indirectly. Indirectly is what most people do with the cognitive dissonance and exercise. You want to lessen the discomfort that comes with it. So what do you do? Selective avoidance. You start to avoid the message. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. it. Makes you feel better, right? It starts to lessen that dissonance. I know I should exercise. I'm not doing it enough if, or at all. And so I'm going to selectively avoid it. And then what's tied into that is selective exposure. I'm going to be exposed to it less. I'm going to start hanging out with people that aren't, that are, are, are more like me right now and aren't making me feel bad about myself, right? And that's the problem too. And that's the social media world. You can trivialize it, by the way. That's really, uh, I talk about one client that sticks out of my mind in the thousands I worked with who said they didn't believe that you could do anything. Exercise, nutrition, that nothing would make a difference. Predetermined, cancers, early death, all that stuff couldn't be changed. Like that just blew my mind. And I stopped working with that person. Why are you paying me? And at that point, it was more, it's a status thing. Leave it at that. Uh, you seek out information and groups, as I said uh, just two seconds ago, that support your bias. You go, oh, I don't believe maybe uh, the certain effects that Tom keeps talking about from exercise. So you, you start to hang out personally, online, with people that support your bias, make you feel better about yourself. 
And then finally you go, the, the really, really common, and, and usually it's a combination of all of these, the negative coping strategies. You eat more, you feel better. Cognitive dissonance, don't feel good about myself or not exercising, I'm gonna eat more. And that just adds to the, the problem, obviously. I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna smoke. Negative coping strategies. All right. <laughs> really quickly, uh, Journal of Applied Social Psychology, November 2019. The title is Helping the Couch Potato, a Cognitive Dissonance Approach to Increasing Exercise in the Elderly. I'm not even going to go into this too much, but it, it just talks about the hypocrisy um, concept when it comes to cognitive dissonance. When we're hypocritical, it, it just adds to that cognitive dissonance, right? So we talk about, that. hey, we sh I, I know I should be exercising, and then you don't do it. It just adds to that cognitive dissonance, which adds to usually the negative coping strategies. Okay, and then one other uh in the Journal of Physical Activity and Health, July 2017, Psychosocial Predictors of Physical Activity Change Among College Students in an Obesity Prevention Trial. I put this one in here because it's just, listen, so many studies on eating and exercise are done on college students. For obvious reasons, you have the PhD people and the research, you know, uh, you know uh, candidates underneath them. That's, it's just easy. It's easier to do. You've got that sample, that group, and you can say, hey, to your students, you got to be, you don't have to be, but will you be part of this study? And so this was a, <laughs> uh, let me give you the method. Uh, we examined predictors of uh, basically exercise and obesity prevention trial for college students at risk for weight gain. All, all college students are at risk for weight gain, I would argue. They, uh, they did 72% female uh, participants engaged in one of three weight control interventions, blah, blah, blah. The conclusion was among weight-concerned college students, what is that, who are at risk for weight gain and who, who begin an obesity prevention program with moderate or high levels of activity, uh, blah, 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 uh, and cognitive dissonance about unhealthy behavior show particular risk for decreasing. Okay, so that's counterintuitive, right? It goes against what cognitive dissonance um, should be about. Well, yes and no. My point is with this study, it's, co it's college students. And like, you know, especially freshman year. Listen, I went to college. If you went to college, uh, you know, that's, that's a tough time. You're drinking a lot more. You're eating a lot more. You're away from them. I get it. And, and again, so many of the studies are done on this sample, this group, these individuals. Um, uh, the results from that study don't really care about <laughs> right now. Right, what we need to care about are just the concepts. Cognitive dissonance, direct and indirect. How do we deal with that? It makes us feel bad, but we need to feel uncomfortable is the takeaway and that we have control. That's how I end every show, for that reason. I give you the three things we control and that can add to your cognitive dissonance because you say, I'm not doing it. And Tom keeps hammering home that we have control. It takes time. You have to figure it out in your way. It's not about just the scale at all. It's about feeling good. It's about the myriad benefits of exercise that far exceed how we look in the mirror and the number on the scale. And when you take the focus off that and you give it time and you make changes and you don't beat yourself up 
for not figuring it out right away. I will be annoyed with you if you do the programs and the potions and the powders that I warn you against. Focus on the excessive moderation. Focus on finding the foods. Don't beat yourself up. Give it time. It's a journey. It's like all the cliche stuff that you hear all the time. But it's true. Keep listening to the show. Ask questions. And live your best life. All right. Cognitive dissonance. I love this stuff. But this is the challenge with my job. And I will... Listen, I get the, I get the hate mail. <laughs> and a lot of it, most of it, is related to cognitive dissonance. Okay? But that's fine. I'm good with that. Because I would not be able to exist if I told you what you wanted to hear or took money from people and products to line my... Like, th there could be nothing worse. At the expense of your health? No, thank you. All right. <laughs> Tom H. Fit is Instagram and Twitter. You want to reach out with comments, questions, anything. Love to hear from you, Tom H. Fit. Uh, follow those accounts if you want the information there as well. Uh, the website, teamholland.com or fitnessdisrupted.com. You can email me through the site. I'm going to say it again because it is so important. We control three things, how much we move, what we put into our mouths, and our state of minds, people. And I'm going to bring you the science over and over to support that. The science. And you're going to make the changes, and you're going to get results like every single one of my clients who stuck with it. I am Tom Holland, exercise physiologist, certified sports nutritionist. Believe in yourself.